having read Secret Agenda, which we're talking about today, and, and Jim Hogan's work, and of course, Peter Dale Scott's work on this, uh, as well as the parts of your book on it, um, there's a much broader understanding of it. And it goes a, a lot deeper, of course. So if we could just kind of start out here, uh, if you want to lay out just sort of a deep political chronology of Watergate that can show us uh, better than the mainstream version, how all of this played out. Yeah, I think that that's an important thing to do. And for me personally, going back and putting together a timeline was very helpful. There are Watergate timelines out there, and those are kind of useful because the the more famous or infamous events that would be covered in a generic Watergate timeline are important points to include on all this. I also had the benefit of having a timeline that Jim Hogan uh, sent to me, Jim himself, recently, and then Peter Dale Scott added to it for our conversation that we've postponed. Um, and so I used that as a baseline and wanted to add a little bit to it. Additionally, I, I, I just want to say beforehand, the reason why, uh, some reasons why it's so important to look at Watergate is that there are many, um, there are many paradoxes in Watergate. It's perceived as a victory of liberals and the left over a you know conservative administration that was too very bellicose and warlike and you know extended the Vietnam War and so on. Um, but then you have to explain things like when Noam Chomsky says Richard Nixon was the last liberal president, for example, or I heard Peter Dale Scott say years ago, <clears throat> if memory serves, that. Nixon was the last president who had any kind of Christian concern for the poor. And uh, in terms of his policies, I'm not sure if that's it was exactly the quote from Peter. I could be misremembering it. And you would think that Car Jimmy Carter might have, be someone you could say that about. But either way, I, I think that it's actually it's fair to say that about Nixon, whether he was the last one or not. He's a he was an interesting person uh, in his humble background and so on, he's really depicted pretty well, I think, in um, in Oliver Stone's Nixon. And uh, I think that that's, that's a better treatment of Watergate than all the president's men by a mile, to be honest. Um, and But also the other thing that you have to think about with Watergate is the aftermath of Watergate, which was a traumatic thing because it leads to a whole lot of CIA revelations, which you've got to explain why that happened. And it leads to also a rightward shift in both political parties in the United States that we have uh, not ever reversed, really. Um, both parties become more right wing after that. Uh, and that is something that has to be explained, because if it was a victory for liberal or left wing forces, then you wouldn't expect that to happen. You would expect the right wing to be discredited and the more, you know, supposedly imperialist part of the American establishment to be discredited, but it didn't happen that way at all. And not even the CIA, which was suffering a little bit uh, after, after that, in terms of like you had uh, directors uh, fired, you had the family jewels uh, leaked to the public in parts of it in different ways. You had the church and Pike committees, you had the house select committee on assassinations. But then at the end of all that, you get Reagan elected. And that's a permanent shift in American politics up to this point, and every president since has been Reagan. And so you have to ask, why did this happen? And so going back and looking at Watergate, I mean, history is interesting because you can always go back further and add more. We can go all the way back 
all the way back to the Big Bang or something like that, right? I mean, I guess they didn't have history, but you get what I mean. There's always something that happened before whatever happened, and then something else happened, right? But timeline is useful in Watergate. And so the point that I'm going to start it from, well, let me go back just a little bit further and add one other interesting note that's that I don't have on the timeline here, but it's 1970, okay? And that is related to American Exception because we published this article, but the in 1970, the exposure of the CIA's role in the heroin traffic was actually a major scandal and had and, and sent shockwaves through uh, the clandestine apparatus of the government, but not in ways that we totally understand because it's all being done behind the scenes. But it, it is relevant, and this was the Peter Dale Scott version of it. So there's two real versions that come out to deal with this scandal. There's Peter's version, which says the CIA was involved with this even before there was a CIA. And it was the, the social register. These social register figures were involved. And these are economic elites based around New York City who were involved in certain aspects of the uh, post-World War II heroin traffic that was established, you know, under reestablished under the Truman administration during that time period, but not by the government, by people who were ex-government uh, officials like William Donovan and then ex-British intelligence people like William Stevenson and the World Commerce Corporation, which was funded by people like Nelson Rockefeller. So really elites. And, and some of that wasn't in the article, the 1970 article that came out in Peter's books over decades, right? Especially American War Machine has a great, has a lot of stuff on this. But Peter was exposing this and it was going to come out in Ramparts. And we know the CIA was involved in surveilling Ramparts at that time. So Another thing to point out is that, which people, we know this history more, but it's really important to, to notice this, is that Nixon's crimes and the crimes that Nixon went down for were relatively pedestrian and kind of um, almost like seemed like technicalities that they get them on. I mean, the smoking gun tape is not, that's a very funny metaphor for it because it isn't, what's on the tape is not so spectacular and it's not really anything that is would be high up there in terms of the crimes of U.S. leaders, you know, in the decades since the end of World War II. I mean, it, it's just even Eric Foner. Did you read Foner? When, when, was Foner the guy that wrote your high school history textbook when you took U.S. history? You probably took AP U.S. history, right? Uh, I don't think we read. Fon I don't remember, though. <laughs> OK, so, well, Foner, um, I would hope, think I would guess you would have remembered if it was Foner, and he's actually pretty good in some ways. It gets when you get into the imperial post World War II era, you know, he pulls a lot of punches, or he doesn't go there as much, which is you know that's a choice. But he wrote that Nixon, Nixon, you know, was convicted over or not convicted, convicted in the in public opinion and in the eyes of Congress before he resigns, uh, and that his defense later was like, when the president does it, it's not illegal, and even Foner says, well, he has a point. It turns out the state was breaking all these laws and so on kind of routinely. But it doesn't really dwell on it, whereas I dwell on that a lot. So this, this aspect of it, very important. And this is the, this is the sort of backdrop for, uh, the, um, for what happens with Watergate. And the other item that I don't have on the timeline, but that I'll, they will also mention, which I think is very relevant, is the end of the Bretton Woods system. In 1971, the U.S., takes uh goes off the gold standard 
and essentially defaults on Bretton Woods because it was an agreement between other nations that if they accumulated dollars, they could be traded uh, $35 for an ounce of gold. And then the U.S. says, well, we can't do that anymore. We don't have the gold. They spent all this money that other people, you know, accepted on this basis. And then when it when the U.S. really overextends itself in one of the moments, really, one of the greatest moments of just pure imperial assertions of power, the U.S. says, eh, we're not going to do that anymore. All that gold we owe you, we don't owe you that anymore. We can give you U.S. Treasury bills instead. So this is a, a quite an astounding thing and a real uh, a naked, if not obvious, uh, assertion of just top-down power. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe, and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire. 